Today is Friday, August 4th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Four Christians arrested for preaching the Bible at a Pride event in Wisconsin. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and share it as well. You can send us your thoughts via email, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through that news of the cray as we do each and every week at 7 a.m. bright and early. Billy Hallowell, Tregons Phillips. Gentlemen, it's Friday. We've made it. What's up? You know, this week, I say this every week, but this week really did fly by. It really did. Have we had one go slow? I don't know that we have. No. I can't remember the last time time at all moved slowly. Uh, just... if, it, if time's going slow for you, then you're, you're not doing it right. Like, you have to get involved in stuff. I feel like our days just zoom by because we're just constantly churning through the news and looking at everything, and there's just always, as always, a plethora of things happening but what do you guys have coming up on the focus story lauren daigle i mean this is yeah. a really interesting thing because she seems to be allergic to controversy like she doesn't ever want to get into any kind of controversy but she came out really strong in defense of sound of freedom yeah. so we'll we'll talk about that yeah she had a pretty i thought personal reason for it too and so we'll get into the details and it's it's good stuff from lauren daigle but on the main thing cbn's chuck holton went to southeast asia Talking to an American woman who's making a difference by rescuing girls from the sex trade. It's a phenomenal story. That's on the main thing. All that's coming up and more, but first we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Four young Christians were arrested over the weekend in Wisconsin while they were preaching the gospel at a public drag queen show that focused on children. Organizers of the city's annual event known as Pride in the Park, they'd advertised the show as being family-friendly. And a video of the arrest of one young man, Marcus Schroeder, was posted and shared on social media and went viral. The one minute and 29 second clip shows several officers approaching Schroeder as he's standing on the public sidewalk outside the event, reading the Bible over a loudspeaker. The officers then grab the microphone suddenly without talking to him and then he questions what they're doing and then they arrest him and put him in cuffs you can read more about that story over at cbnnews.com while the u.s southern border gets the headlines authorities along our northern border in canada are dealing with a surge of their own areas of vast open farmland along the northern border are not guarded by fence or wall cbn news mark martin recently visited there and has a fantastic report, which you can check out on the CBN News YouTube channel. And former President Trump arrived in Washington, D.C. yesterday ahead of his court appearance. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. It almost seems like too crazy that this is happening in America. We keep seeing Christians arrested for preaching the gospel and just sharing the Bible. And this time they tried to say because he had an amplified device, but that argument kind of fell flat for a number of reasons. But I mean, this is just getting ridiculous at this point. The dangers, and we don't always know in each individual case, there could be something else we don't know about in this case, but it does feel like we know at least in the UK and other places and maybe even here, that this emotional sort of reaction, the you're hurting my feelings, you need to be held accountable because you're hurting my feelings and that's not okay, that has become 
law. Like, you know, you've offended me. So now I'm going to legally use the system to come after you. And that is such a dangerous place to be. Um, We need to fight tooth and nail. It doesn't matter if it's an atheist, if it's, I don't care who it is, that their rights are defended. In this case right now, it happens to be Christians. Well, I mean, that's kind of the climate that we've created, right? That your feelings are kind of the ultimate arbiter of morality yeah. and truth. So if that's kind of the, the starting point. If there is no objective moral truth and the, the real moral truth is caught up in our feelings, then one, it's going to change depending on who on earth you're talking to or what the subject matter is. Uh, but then two, if since feelings are kind of the ultimate guide, then yeah, that has to kind of be how our legal system moves, right? Because there is no longer a basis for morality aside from our feelings. Our, at least in the United States, everything is built on a Judeo-Christian kind of biblical understanding of morality. But if that's no longer the, the foundation and the foundation is now feelings, I guess all of our laws have to shift to fit that. Yeah, and we are raising, it feels like, a generation of people who are just so thin-skinned, they can't deal with anything. I mean, it's just... You're supposed to be able, if you want to actually progress as a society, you have to be able to discuss. And I loved what there was a clip of this young man that was mentioned. Uh, his name was Marcus Schroeder. There's a clip of him talking about the arrest before you know some sort of city meeting or something like that. And he was really just explaining it and saying like, hey, in, in debate, I learned both sides. I had to learn all sides of an argument to understand the argument. That's not happening now. Well, that, that is not what's happening now, certainly not with our police in some of these circumstances. They just take them away. Like, we're just not allowed to have a different opinion. That's hate speech. we got to watch out for that. No, I mean, the way it should be is us having these conversations, understanding one another's differences. And, of course, nobody, not you know, with millions and billions of people in the world, not everybody's going to agree on stuff. But you got to be able to have these conversations because... When you start policing the things you say, like you said, Trey, because of feelings, that's going to lead to some dangerous, oppressive times. Yeah, and it's not just, we often talk about this and it's important in the context of the person being afflicted, whether it's the Christians or the protesters, whoever it is, but there's a dangerous part of this for the other side, right? If you're a progressive or if you're a secularist in these circumstances or an LGBTQ activist, you're actually depriving yourself of the opportunity to understand why you believe what you believe. The best way to do that is to hear why somebody else believes what they believe, yeah. and then you can strengthen your own arguments or you know, hopefully have them challenged. But I think this idea that we're going to coddle everybody and never let them be offended actually puts, in this case, again, the left at risk of not being thoughtful and even understanding what they believe. So it's just, it's not good for a modern society in any way at any level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something I just wanted to add, Dan, based on what you were saying a minute ago, because I think it's true. I think half of the issue is that people are thin skinned. They can't take uh, their feelings being hurt or their sensibilities being offended in any way. So I think that is part of the truth. But I also think part of the issue is uh, we've built up this media culture, social media culture, where you're really incentivized to be the person who's complaining, who's going out and saying that you're a victim of something. Uh, because what happens, right, when somebody goes and riots and they protest and they cause damage or, you know, whatever, 
they're the ones that end up with wall-to-wall coverage on all the news networks. Uh, they're the ones that get talked about on, on social media. They trend to the top. So I think people now are seeing, well, I'm really angry and I'm fed up, maybe even for legitimate reasons over any number of issues. And then they see, well, like causing a problem seemed to work. It seemed to get attention. So I think it's kind of like we're, we're acting like children. We know if we throw the tantrum, we're the one that gets mom and dad's attention. Yeah. Oh, it's a hundred percent true, and this I'm I'm praying that this trend stops. That we would start, to, we'd see people come to their senses and realize what they're doing, uh, because and we got to, as we've talked about on this podcast, got to speak out against this stuff. We'll keep covering it on CBN News and on Faithwire as we see them, because you're you're not going to see a lot of these arrests get a lot of mainstream coverage. So we will be here to do just that. All right, Christian singer Lauren Daigle has joined the chorus of those defending the Sound of Freedom movie. So like you said at the top, Billy, she's not one to just want to dive into controversies and the back and forth. So what happened here? Yeah, and just, you know, quick aside, if you're not familiar, Sound of Freedom, it's a summer blockbuster movie about Tim Ballard. He's the former government worker who rescues kids from human trafficking. And so this is a movie about human trafficking and his, you know, journey uh, rescuing these children. Now, Lauren Daigle has avoided controversy on almost every level. She's found herself in controversy, in fact, for trying to avoid it almost um, in (laughs) the comments she's made when she's asked difficult questions. And so I was very surprised to see that she went to go see Sound of Freedom. And it's interesting because she posted an Instagram Live, and this is a fairly long video, and she had just woken up, so it was clearly on her mind. Like, she rolls out of bed, and she turns <laughs> her camera on and starts, and starts talking. And really, basically, I want to just read a quote because it sort of summarizes what her concern was. She said, one thing I found very interesting is that people are having to defend this movie. This is insane to me that this would even be something that needs to be defended. I do not understand. Um, And she went on to explain there's no correlation. She doesn't work with the filmmaker. She doesn't know anybody involved in the film. She went to see it, and she left the movie feeling so impacted and so much like she wanted to get out and do something about it that she wanted to speak out about it. And so um, she really passionately defended the film and spoke about the issue of human trafficking from a very, very theological perspective. Yeah, indeed. And what else did you notice about this video? I was going to ask you um, about her personal connection because I heard her mention during the video her background mm-hmm. in school. She was, If she wasn't a singer, she might very well have been uh, in the industry of helping victims of trafficking. Yeah, this was really, I thought, one of the most interesting parts of of this commentary. You know, she was talking about how in college she would raise money for, I think, A21, one of the one of the trafficking organizations, and she was very involved. This was an issue that was close to her heart, so much so that she actually planned to go to law school to help trafficking victims. That so if she weren't a singer, that's probably what she would have been doing had God not led her on a different path. But she was, yeah, so she was deeply passionate about it. And I think it really felt like watching this, this movie brought that passion back out for her to the forefront. Yeah, definitely. What are some uh, other interesting facts about Daigle that kind of emerged from this? You know, I think she's been hit with a lot of accusations among some that she's not very theological, she's not very deep thinking, and that's not based on anything other than when she was asked questions about, and these these are important issues, sexuality or abortion, not really having an answer, you know, and I think, I, I don't know, my assumption is that some of that is the result of not being media prepared, of not having people tell her, these questions are going to come your way, you need to answer them, and you need to have a response. Um, I, that's my assumption, but 
the reason I bring this up is that she went, not only did she grab her Bible and she tells this joke, she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to take her to the B I B L E because that's the book for me. You know, she cracked a little joke, but she opened her Bible and she read the book of judges, judges 19, not only read it, but went in deep on why she thinks what is going on with trafficking and the chaos around us is very much tied to what we see in, in judges 19. And so she actually gave a Bible study of sorts that I thought was really well thought out. She actually made me think differently about judges 19 (laughs) because I recently read it and was like, what in the world? Um, it was almost like having a commentary. So I thought that was interesting to see the depth to her. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you know, you mentioned her not being like the media readiness. You could tell like her heart was to, I, I'm not the one to, be engaging in these debates and she was trying to get out of it unscathed. Like that's how it felt to me watching her try to answer those questions on sexuality that she was trying to just kind of navigate it in the middle there. And obviously when you try to navigate something in the middle, you end up, you know, in the middle of the road, you know, you get hit by the car. So that's essentially what happened to her. But what else, uh, what else kind of did you take away from this, this whole post from Lauren? Well, you know, she could have avoided Judges 19. There's a lot in there. It deals with a concubine and it deals with um, a priest. And there's a lot of just horrible things that happen, horrific things that happen in that chapter. But part of it is a group of men coming to the house and saying, bring that man out. We want to have sex with him. And, you know, there's I thought it was interesting. She chose that in light of her controversies. Right. You know, I think I found that interesting. Um, You know, she didn't go deep on the issue, but she talked about the broader you know, issues going on there. Uh, she also didn't shy away from the word QAnon. It came up at one point. She said, you know, she was dismissing the the critiques of QAnon, you know, and, and very, she seemed very flippant about it. She wasn't trying to watch what she was saying. She seemed very, you know, I guess in a Lauren Daigle way, because she's so upbeat and happy, she yeah. was annoyed by the reaction that the movie was getting, the negative reaction. And, uh, but the other thing, the last thing I would mention, she talked about, spiritual warfare as well in the caption. She said, I believe there's a greater war happening than what we can see. Um, And I thought that is, again, that's not something you say if you're not really understanding what that war looks like. You talk about this darkness that she's talking about that you sense that's going on. And a lot of it is, I think, because you're seeing sexual perversion targeted at kids now. They're talking about gender ideology and like now it's becoming okay now, gender affirming care to mutilate young children before they've grown up and before they're old enough to make these decisions on their own. You're seeing drag queens, grown men in these provocative outfits dancing sexually for kids. That should shock the conscience of everyone in the, not just America, but the whole world And so that I think, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what she's referring to, but when she says that, that's where my thought goes to that people are seeing this and you have to know that there's something spiritually dark happening right now. Something too that I appreciate that she said was really actually just what she said right up front, which is that why is this controversial? This shouldn't be something that needs to be defended. This shouldn't be a a film that needs to, the subject matter of which needs to be explained. Um, And I think the frustration for me in watching the critiques of Sound of Freedom, obviously film critics and people are going to have opinions about any film. And I think that's fine to share your opinions about how it was made or whatever, but Uh, The thing that annoys me is the way that Angel Studios, Tim Ballard, Jim Caviezel, whoever, has had to go out of their way to explain the importance of this kind of movie and the the reasons that they made certain decisions and casting and uh, in storyline and whatever. Whereas if, if this was a secular movie, 
the storyline would not be nitpicked away the way this one has. It would just been like, oh, I didn't like it, but it's up to artistic license. You know, they just, they wanted to be creative, but we don't afford that same luxury, I think, to Christian films, or this wasn't even a Christian film, but to, uh, I guess, faith adjacent films. Um, <laughs> yeah. th- this is, is such an important topic. I think, is it going to get everything right? It's a two hour movie. Of course, it's not going to get every yeah. single detail of a story exactly right or exactly, you know, the way that you think it should be. But yeah, such an important topic. And I'm glad Lauren Daigle felt comfortable enough and felt it was important enough to kind of sound off on it. Yeah, the double standard is real. I mean, Hollywood churns out a whole bunch of awful movies and they don't seem to have to go through similar questioning. And you but this know, was maybe based on the actors. Time. Right. No. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so, again, we never see I'm going to say it again and I'm going to be annoying about it. we never see Scienti- Scientology adjacent movie when Tom Cruise is in it Correct. or John Travolta. Never. Yeah. And 100 percent right. Nobody ever questions it. They just go for it. And don't think you're wrong there at all. But appreciate you bringing that one. Interesting comments from Lauren Daigle. Again, it's over at faithwire.com if you want to read more on that. All right. We're going to go to the main thing now. And CBN News contributing correspondent Chuck Holton traveled to Southeast Asia, where one American woman is making a big difference by rescuing girls from the sex trade. That's today's main thing. Across Southeast Asia, a multi-billion dollar worldwide industry thrives in the shadows, preying upon the vulnerable and innocent. Underage prostitution is commonplace, and in the middle of this darkness, an unexpected source of light. I'm an ex-drug addict drug dealer. I used to cook meth. I lived in California and I was a terrible person. I was really scandalous, very violent. I was a homosexual and I let sin control me. And finally, God saved me when when I was in prison. But her amazing story doesn't end there. When Holly completed her sentence, she decided to go to Bible school. All of a sudden, when I was getting ready to graduate, the Lord called me to Asia. And it was just like this instant love just poured through my heart. Um, for these people that I never met, I didn't know. And um, I was like, okay, I'll I'll go. And so that's how I got called um, to come here. Unsure of what God had for her, Holly bought a one-way ticket and she found while walking the streets of her new home, her checkered past became an asset. From my background, it was easy to see the traffickers. And in my mind, they were like little skinny wimps. Before long, Holly was saving girls from the sex trade. The Lord ended up putting on my heart to open a girl's house, just to open a safe place for women to come from the village if they wanted to study in the capital city. But saving girls' lives cost the traffickers money. Somebody attempted to kill me, to pull me off a moto, and I had the left side of my body basically destroyed. I was in the hospital, messed up. At her lowest point, American missionaries Victor and Eileen Marks stepped in to support Holly's House of Refuge. After I met Victor and Eileen, everything changed and that now we're a lot more safe. Um, We can actually get the bad guys incarcerated, which is a big deal. More than 40 women and girls now shelter in Holly's home, all with horrific stories of abuse and redemption. He put acid first. Yeah. He put acid on you first. Yeah. On. On your face. Yeah. And then... uh, my eye uh-huh. so hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hot. Yeah, it burned your eyes. Yeah. He, so you couldn't see? Yes. Oh, okay. He, uh, he grabbed your hair? Yeah. And, and pulled... Uh, 
cut, yeah. And he, oh, he cut your hand? Yeah, this first. Oh, I'll cut this hand first. Yeah. yeah. And I, he cut. Uh-huh, right here. Yeah, here. Right here. Yeah. The man attacked her with a meat cleaver and then left her to die in the dark. When I was laying out there in the field, I said, if there is a God, please help me, help your child. Because back then, I was a staunch Buddhist, but I had heard about Jesus Christ before. I said, if there is a God, help your child, Jesus. I heard a sound, and it said, child, get up. When I heard that voice, I couldn't get up because I had no power in me. There was blood all over, and I couldn't sit up, but I felt something that felt like a big hand go underneath my back and help lift me up. Her family eventually found Nora and took her to the hospital. That's where Holly found her, with a safe place to stay and help from donors. Nora eventually recovered. Now she's found peace with the trauma of her past and can even be thankful for the tragedy that brought her to God. Is it difficult to come back here? Is it hard for you to be to come here again? I freedom. You ha I have freedom. I have freedom. Yeah, I'm okay. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. These girls aren't just being saved from sexual slavery. They're being invited into a new family. It's not a program. You don't get saved and go into a program. You get saved and you come into the family of God. We're children of God. From East Asia, I'm Chuck Holton for CBN News. All right, Chuck, thanks so much for that interview there. We are going to put it in the comments, I promise, this time. I know some of you have criticized me. I've mentioned that I'm putting a link in there, and then I leave you to go search it out on your own. I will put this link in the description this time for Chuck's whole interview there so you can see it. Because uh, it is remarkable stuff. Her testimony is quite something. It is. And and actually, I know Holly. Um, my church supports Holly and her ministry, and it's incredible. You know, this is a person who has left her life and gone over to help people. And it's just, it's such an amazing testimony. And then the work she's doing to help these these you know young women and these kids, especially in light of Sound of Freedom and what we're yeah. watching happen right now is so important. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. All right. We're going to have time here for one last thing on the podcast, and we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And guys, I, we were just talking about this with our youth group and my kids, just talking about how what makes us righteous before God. Nothing we can do, no works that we can do. The only thing that makes us righteous before God is that he looks at us and he sees Christ because we're in Christ and that's the only way we become righteous before God. And so I just love that reminder that um, it's it's not through any works that we can do on our own. Yeah, you know, it's something I think is so incredible about that passage and verses like it is it reminds me of the humility of God, because I think it's easy to, to kind of let that pass by because we're so used to hearing about it, but mm -hmm. that God was willing to humble himself so much that he was willing to die on a cross for us is just so profound. And in a culture desperate for humility and lacking it, yes. it's just a great reminder. Yeah. yeah. And it's the opposite of what a lot of critics and atheists will say. Like, oh, God's this big egomaniac. But the exact opposite is true, which is amazing because of anyone who could be <laughs> uh, that other way, it's the creator of the universe who knows every single thing. So 
but he's not. And praise God and thank God for that. All right. Have a fantastic weekend. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return Monday with more. God bless. See you then.